Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Uriyidi. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we take a moment to acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to connect with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness in their individual journeys. Our hope is to encourage you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. There was something special about my next guest that I couldn't put my finger on when we first connected. Was it his infectiously genuine energy that transpired through our initial call as we got to know each other better? Was it his generosity and courteous demeanor as he graciously welcomed me in his own home as he'd previously had me on his own podcast? Was it his perceptive ability to reach out to me out of nowhere when I wasn't really in the best of moods or mindset? Was it his joyous celebration of the daily little wins in life? In hindsight, as I write this intro, I'm pretty sure it was all of the above. As you'll soon find out, Sean Chris Lewis isn't just a certified personal trainer, host of the wonderful Fort Podcast, a loving husband and father, but also a tremendous source of kindness and warmth. In this conversation, we cover Sean's mindset hacks, his perspective in regards to overcoming his personal demons, and get some necessary real talk from his wealth of experience and heartfelt honesty. Another great conversation, which I do hope you'll enjoy, as I certainly did. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 104 with Sean Chris Lewis. Here we go. I have to throw this really out there. You are genuinely one of the nicest people I've met this year. Like, seriously, Dude. this is like bar none. You, the, the, first of all, we have to, again, uh, give a special shout out to Christopher Didion for making the connection happen. And since yeah, then, yeah. I have to be very grateful uh, to you and the wonderful energy you put out and, you know, the kindness that you've shown, just welcoming me into your home, inviting me on your podcast. Because this is more, this is more than just, you know, podcasters and uniting and helping each other out. It's more about, you know, the connection and the humanity behind it. You know, because human relations, in my understanding, and the fact that we resonate on the same frequency and that mindset is the fact that it's not supposed to be that complicated. Hi, my name is Oliver. Your name is Sean. You know, let's share a story as basic as that. And for that, yeah. I'm very grateful because, you know, it's something that I find very genuine about you. It's something I find very precious about you. And it's something that right off the bat, I want to thank you for not just for being on this podcast, but thank you so much for all the kindness that you've shown. And I'm really grateful for this uh, for this opportunity. Wow, dude, very touching, man. And right, right back at you. I feel the, I feel the same. I, cause I legitimately care. I care now about the, meeting people and making connections with them. And, and, you know, if there's people you don't connect to, fine. But really, that's my, that's like where I'm at right now. My trajectory is meeting people who have some common values and beliefs and want to do some bigger things and hopefully work together and, and contribute the best we can. So. Yeah. Yeah. Olivier, thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. And I, I do mean it right back to you, my friend. It is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. We've definitely had so many conversations about so many things in regards to universe, paternity, kids and life and, you know, obstacles and forks in the road. Mm -hmm. We're definitely going to get into, uh, you know, the Fort podcast, which is a great, 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 
great piece of content that you're pushing out. But at the basics, man, uh, we're just talking about the latest episode, which really, really touched me in regards to not just, you know, the first time you actually do a solo, but you actually put it out there for people who are dealing with some stuff, either alone or having trouble finding the support they need. What did, what didn't matter so much to you to actually put an episode like that out? Because there is a lot of mental health issues, talks going out right there. But, you know, I felt it came from a genuine place. What fueled, you know, that episode particularly? Yeah, you know, that episode wasn't supposed to be. That episode just came because I had um the episode that I'm working on right now in the editing phase. He couldn't make it. Um, that was Nathan. He, uh, my very good friend and CrossFitter, phenomenal athlete. He had to, um, he had to cancel, uh, not last minute. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't any, any problem that had happened, but he, you know, we rescheduled and did it. And in the meantime, I was like, okay, like, what am I going to do? No podcast. I didn't have anybody else that I could fill in for that. So I said, well, I've, I've got myself and I've got some ideas that I want to share with people. But my, my biggest concern, Olivier, is I don't like, I don't think that we need more information. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to do an information podcast, you know, mm-hmm. about how to anything. I, I mean, how to podcasts do very well. However, I didn't feel that I was in a position to put out a how to or bring in some more information. I wanted to really stay true to the, to what Fork Podcast was, which is, or is, is about helping people. It's not about giving more information. The information's out there. This is about helping people and giving them some tools. So I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to get a little uncomfortable and do a solo cast. And Mm -hmm. I said uncomfortable because I don't, really like talking about myself that much not that i i not that it's a transparency issue i have no Mm -hmm. problem being transparent but i feel like there's all these people around with their stories i want to share their stories and bring that to other people and make something not about myself so much so i said well okay what what i'll do is cut through some of the stuff that i feel is very valuable which is trying to like say something that can resonate with people who don't have a lot of resources, who don't, um, who I use the term tunneled, you know, tunneling is a, there's this great book that I read uh, called scarcity. And it was talking about when people are in a position of scarcity, they can't really see beyond the problems that they have. Think about yourself. I think of myself, whenever I've been going through a very serious problem in my life, I, I was so tunneled into the problem that all I was seeing was, say, the bills, the fear of not being able to make things work at the end of the month. And, and I, I could sympathize with somebody who had less and less resources. And I wanted to say something that could affect them, that could hopefully do something to help them. So that's where that podcast came from. It really was from a very... It was really from my heart, that one, in that I I think there's a ton of bullshit out there where everything's about monetization of health and wellness. It's all about how do I make a buck on the current trend that's going on? And I thought, I don't want to make a dollar on health and wellness, Olivier. It's not mm-hmm. my interest. I already have a a business where I work as a personal trainer and I have some other sideline businesses that I do that produce money for me. And the one thing that I really wanted to do was when I shared information with people, I wanted it to be 
about everything else except monetization. Mm -hmm. And that's what that was. It was like, I'm going to try and talk to the person who has no money, you know, who only has their living room to do some push-ups in and do some squats and maybe get up in the morning and hopefully they're going to have something that gets them out of bed, that gets them just a little bit more excited about life, that they can get through that day and at the end of the day say, damn it, I accomplished something. I, I got... I, I did something that brought more value to my life because Olivia, I feel that if we don't get to this point where we're helping the people who have the deepest problems, we're just going to see this endless cycle of, of, uh, of social need. If we don't make people stronger and we don't help people to, uh, to, to be able to discern between the tools that are going to help them and the two and the tools that are just to monetize their need, I feel like we're never going to get there. I, and so that's where my heart is. I'm, in, I'm for the underdog, Olivier. I really am. It is really crappy to actually have to go through something alone. And a lot of people right now, and let's not even talk about the fact that the holidays are coming up. So be ready for a lot of holiday blues coming up. And let's not forget that, you know, I'm not taking away anything from, you know, the entire festivities and joyful joyfuls of the world. But opposite that, there's a lot of people going through stuff, call it debt, call it sick kids, call it working jobs they hate, working, you know, um, seeing a loved one in the hospital. So I totally resonate with that because, you know, if we're just talking about, you know, physical fitness and everything, yes, okay, fine, you know, be beautiful, go to the gym, eat right, you know, exercise, do some push-ups, you know, go for a walk, you know, think about mindset, sleep well. But at the same time, for some people, it's actually hard. For some people, like you said, they can't afford to go to the gym. And I enjoy the fact that, you know what, at the basic core, if we can open our hearts and open our time to understanding that, you know what, we're all going through our own little phase and we all need to hold our hands and actually walk the line together. And that's what I got from that. And I think that conversation needs to happen more openly and more often because you're right. There is an industry right now going on about the entire self-help movement, you know, the entire motivation, you know, um, trend as you will. And, I believe that it's important to actually be real about things. No, no. And not everybody is happy, happy all the time. And I wonder what you thought about that. You know, everybody, all these memes you see going around like, yeah, like, you know, wake up with your mindset and be, you know, just go hard and everything. It is, you can't do, you can't be happy all the time, every time. Oh God, man, you're just touching the nerve on me, dude. That, that is, that's where my mind sits in my work is, is that I don't want to be more of that. I don't want to be more Cracker Jack box coaching here, man. I really, I, um, I, my true belief is that life is hard, man. And life is very, very, very hard for some people. And for them to even see a better version of themselves like tomorrow is next to impossible. They just are in so much, there's just so much garbage going on around them in their lives that they, they can't see it. So I think there's like, when you hear this, this, I, I'm all for positive talk. I'm really all for the, the importance of keeping your mindset and, you know, but I think that's for a particular demographic. I think that that voice can resonate to people who are, have just, just enough comfort, just enough to be able to switch their mindset. 
But if you have zero comfort, if your bills are stacking up, you are overweight or just very unfit, you're trying to raise a child by yourself, or you have no education and you're about to lose your job. Dude, I don't even understand how that person even goes and makes a change in their life. And if they can change anything, I applaud them because I, it, to me, it just, it's, it freaks me out to see somebody who's gone from nothing to something because every step they take of self-improvement has been through so much hardship that we have to, we just have to applaud them. So the, coaching that's out there now of mindset switching and always being positive and staying away from negative people. I think that that's just a fallback for people who want to coach other people who Mm -hmm. aren't as well situated as themselves so that they can feel better about coaching somebody who's down and out so they can feel more important about themselves. I really think that a lot of it has very little to do with the actual coaching of somebody else. And it's more about somebody just feeling that they're monetizing or finding a position in their life of value based on the fact that somebody has much less than them. It's always important to try to help out because we're all, we're all trying to serve in a better way, trying to actually extend a helping hand uh, in the, in, in, you know, towards, you know, bettering people in a bit lesser situation in ourselves. It's all about opening our hearts. You know, yes, there is like, you know, we can't put everything, everybody in the same pot because like, you know, there are good coaches, there are bad coaches, there are good course, motivations yeah. and bad motivations. Um, so we only hope for the best. Cause again, I know we know a lot of person, you and I both in our circles know a lot of very good high performance coaches. But at the same time, you always want to be wary of the fact of is somebody just trying to change your life or they're trying to take your money. So you have to be pick and choosy right there. But in your field, if we're just talking, because a lot of conversations often as a personal trainer, you also have to deal with those people again who come at that fork in the road, shameless pun, where they mm-hmm. have to get themselves out of that couch and actually get to the gym and actually, okay, show up to Sean's like, Sean. I need your help. How do you even start that conversation? It's like, okay, because the person is at a particular point where they realize they can't do it themselves. How Mm. do you go about helping? Like, where where does the mindset shift work? Okay, in in my work, the people who I'm dealing with are at least in the fortunate circumstance that they can they can afford to hire somebody. So that already sets them into a different category. I I mean, we know people who have plenty of plenty of money and plenty of time who still don't go about you know pursuing health and oh, fitness. Yeah. So we're just talking about those people who finally get to a point where they decide they want to reach out to me. Well, mm-hmm. the first thing is. They've got some money to hire me. And that's, that's, that's great. They're in that, at least in that position. But then from there, one thing you can't buy is your own motivation, right? You, 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 can't, you can't put money into a, a mindset. You can put money into people who might have skills and pull that mindset out of you. Mm-hmm. But we have to hope that you're ready for that. Cause I've had plenty of people, Olivier, who they started with me and I think I did the best coaching I could with them. And I thought I did all the right things and they bowed out. They just didn't pursue it. So then you get these other people who come in and they, they want to change. They, you can, you know them. They're like, just tell me what to do. Like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to eat. 
Tell me how many times do I need to see you? Let's go. What's your schedule like? When can we book these appointments? And from the day you start, you only see progress. Right. Now, that's not the coach. I'm just at that point, the, the link to what they need, mm-hmm. and I just provide them the service that, they, that they're looking for to just get that, get the action going. So, but I do, because listen, if I take responsibility and if I take the responsibility and ownership of, yeah, you know, I helped this guy lose 50 pounds. I helped him get these phenomenal results. Uh, I'm a great coach. And okay. So then what about the person who left? I have to then say, Hey, like that was me. I wasn't a good coach. They left because I didn't coach them properly. So what I do is with success or failure, I make sure I say, it's all on you, man. I'm here to help you. I'm here to, to guide you. But this is all about you. When you succeed, it's you, man. It's you. I applaud you and your success. You got the mindset. Sure, I was there to guide you. But... It's you. And the person who left, I can't, I can't take that on myself. I can't say that if a person quits and leaves, I'll evaluate myself, yes, and say, could I have done this differently? What can I change next time? But I can't say that that person left and it's my fault. We have to always say that the person is first and foremost responsible for themselves, People need to be responsible for themselves. These people, at least, now we have the other category of people. Are they, how can somebody be responsible for themselves when society might be failing them, when life around them is failing them in so ways? So, so you see, I feel like there's these, these different layers of people. People, some people are at a place in life where they're ready for that kind of responsibility. And you can say, yes, this is all on you now. But then there's other people that we have to say, where are they at in this? Like how, like how much of it is social, is the society around them that's setting them in a position of, of failure? How much ownership do we put on those people? It's tricky territory, man. Coaching people to through health and wellness is really all encompassing. It's all encompassing because it all matters. It's like their personal circumstance, their health circumstance, their mindset circumstance. It's it's definitely something that, you know, in dealing in all the conversation I've had with you, there's a lot of passion there and there's a lot of emotion that's attached to it because you genuinely care. And because you always even say it in all your episodes, basically, you know, because you want to help you, you give out love and it's all about caring for the person. It's all about, you know, just something that really holds true to your heart. And that's something that's really humbling. And personal note, because I was re-listening to a couple of, because I listened to all your episodes. Yeah, because I like you that much. Um, and there was one personal story that you shared. It was on the episode uh, with Michel Babin about starting your own, you know, your own uh, successful business. And you shared a story. It was 10 seconds of your own conversation, but you shared that in regards to you had to make it to um, Christmas dinner at your family's, but you couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I went through that, but I was, I didn't have, I wasn't married with kids anyway, but you know, my girlfriend, not my wife, obviously we would, uh, I was working a night shift at the time, but you know, you had to work either Christmas or the holidays, but you know, just to get paid a little bit more, I worked both nights, um, that, that period. And I remember that. And I'm just like, when you told that story, I'm like, you have 
you you have to put you have to look at what you have to sacrifice look at you know the word sacrifice and what you have to go through because hey you're grinding you're providing you're doing what you have to do what would you tell yourself back in the day do you do you look back at that story and say okay this is those are the sacrifices i had to make to be where i am right now how do you look back at those times what was sean like then compared to sean now where is the evolution come from i'm interested olivia it's it's a miracle i'm still married in fact, wow. I was going off the rails in those days. I was just, I, I didn't like my life anymore. I felt like, I'm going to use the word, I felt like a total loser in my life. I had, I hated the work that I was doing. The thing I loved was going to school. I, I was actually studying personal training and I loved to do that. It was the thing that I was just... I, it's the only thing that was keeping me holding on to liking myself. And, um, but it was also in the way because I was driving this delivery van. I was delivering sandwiches, man, for a catering company while I was, cause I had been laid off a job and I, I needed to continue providing for my family. So I got this job working for a catering company. And then while I was doing that, I was at school and all I was doing was running around Olivier, like with five bucks in my pocket all the time, man. I just, I, I had no cash and my wife, uh, I just was so, she was so patient, but I felt that these were days, man. She was just giving up on me, man. She was like, she might deny it, but I felt it. And I had nothing, I felt, I felt I had nothing to offer anymore. And wow. so I, I started drinking a lot and I wouldn't make trouble. I don't say, say I was a troublesome drunk, but you know, I would just drink beer at the end of my day and just try to forget that day and hope the next day doesn't start, you know, and all the while trying to raise my daughters and I, I remember yelling a lot around the house and like, you know, I had a bad temper from time to time. Not when I was drinking, just, I was just a bad tempered guy. And there was this one, one instance where I remember I was yelling at my wife. I was just like so obnoxious. And, and I looked into the bathroom and my oldest daughter, she was little, she was maybe about three and she was in the bathtub and I saw her like washing her belly, but looking at me with this face of like, daddy, why you like, I looked, I felt like I scared her, you know, and I know I did. And she, when I looked at in at her, she looked away really fast and kept rubbing her belly, washing herself. And if I, if I could rub a memory from my mind, it would be that dude. I felt so ashamed, man. I felt so ashamed. And from there on end, my wife and I went for marital counseling and we really tried, you know, we really tried and we, we pulled it all together. There's a woman, Yvonne Clark in Montreal. She was our, our um, family therapist. And this woman saved our marriage, dude, saved me. She saved my life. She really did. Cause she saved my, my wife, you know, she saved me ha keeping my wife and my family together. And Yeah. Yeah. What were we dealing with? Were we dealing with anger? Were we dealing with shame? Uh, you know, masculine pride? Dude, it's was crap. There? Life was just crap. That's, it was just, we, had, we lived in a little apartment. We had cockroaches and, and you know, we you just, fuck, man. I, I, I didn't have a job. I had this, I, well, I had a job. It was just terrible. 
and, you know, trying to study. And I had even uh, still at that point, I started to graduate, but there's no clients. Dude. There's no clients in the beginning. Oh, you wow. graduate and you think, oh man, I'm done. They're all going to beat down my door. I'm going to have like, I'm going to fill up my schedule. There's crickets. In fact, there's people who just want to take advantage, you know, get a free training. Hey, oh. can you train me for free? And if I, if I like what you do, then I'll hire you. And like, and then some people would hire you and they wouldn't pay you. And, and here you are broke, dude. You're broke. You have cockroaches in your apartment. Your marriage is on the rocks. You're, at least the kids aren't going without because they always came first and we mm -hmm. gave, you know, we made sure we had, they had what they, they needed. And, um, but damn it, dude, it was just bad. It was just, I, there was, there was all of it. Anger, you know, like not able to provide for my family, the frustration of what am I going to do with my life? I was never a great academically as a young man. I, I'd struggled with, battled with depression from the age of 13 and panic oh, wow. attack disorder and was heavily medicated as a kid. And there's, you know, all kinds of disruptions that really set my life back. And I think at that point, that was the, that was the period in my life where there was no looking away from your problems, man. They were all staring you right in the face. And it was like, either you fix this stuff or you're losing your family. You're losing yourself. You're, I was 40 pounds overweight. You? Oh, it was bad, man. I'm telling you, that's why that podcast that I blasted out the other day talking about don't judge people. Dude, I was there. I was in this situation where, you know, you talk about the darkness in the belly of the whale, you know, like I, I was in the darkness, but there weren't no Geppetto down there with me, you know, like I was just in the darkness with no guidance out. And uh, it's not a good place to be, man. It's not a good place. And thankfully, there were some elements of my character, which I don't know why they were there. I was, they kept me going, you know, they just kept me going. I didn't give up. I just did what I needed to do. And yeah, a lot of people, um, you have this conversation a lot because sometimes it's always hard to actually have the audacity and courage to look inward because you said it yourself. Yeah, it's to start with you. Um, of course you have to work on the marriage, you have to seek, you know, counseling and everything, but it first have to, you have to have that talk and that, you know, peeling off the layers and actually look at, I'm sorry, the ugliness that's there and see how you can work from there. And, you know, it takes courage. Um, it takes, uh, strength and I'm happy to know that there's been an evolution, but how would you, con how, how would you advise people to actually have that, you know, that talk with the inner self to actually help them, you know, move forward if we can. Wow, man, dude, you got to find one thing that keeps you going. All you, you just got to find this one thing that will get you up and get you going. I don't know what that one thing will be to somebody, but I'd never give, I would not give Sean Lewis, uh, you know, 30, that this, we're talking about 30 years ago, I guess. So I was at that time. So I'm 52 now. At that time, I was about 30, I was about 33, 34 years old. So, um, that Sean Lewis, I would be very careful about what advice you thought that he could walk away and apply. Mm -hmm. I was in such a negative place. So the, but the one thing that I did do prior to, being that bad was when I was about 18 years old. So I would encourage people to listen to this one point because this may be the piece 
that held it all together for me. When I was about 18 years old, I was um, up in the Montreal Jewish General Hospital to see the psychiatrist who was renewing my prescription for uh, for imipramine, which was a very strong antidepressant at the time. Okay. Um, and I was sitting in the uh, waiting room in the Montreal Jewish General and uh, I was in the psychiatric ward and uh, I was, imagine, I was just a, an 18 year old going to fulfill, fill, uh, get a, renew his prescription, going in to see the psychiatrist and they would have an 18 year old waiting in the corridor of the psychiatric ward. ward. Dude, all you saw was like people who were legit, like, mentally ill, like sick. Uh, yes, depression, I get it. Yeah, don't worry. I lived with it all my life. I know it's an illness. However, it's not banging your head against the wall repeatedly with an OCD, nor is it shuffling down the corridor, uh, you know, with your robes open in the back so you can see the person's bare ass and hear the mumbling under their voice. I, I wasn't that sick. And that's what I was seeing. And I was sitting there... Old. Yeah. And I stood up, I went to the bathroom and I just looked in the mirror and this is not to be, this is not to be like dramatic. I really did. I looked in the mirror, not to talk to myself, but I just yelled, man. I just was like, what is, I took my prescription, threw it in the garbage. I don't, hello everybody. I don't recommend you do this. I don't recommend anybody toss their meds, but that's what I did. And I ran home. I lived probably about 15 kilometers from the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I just ran. This was it would have been in March, early March. So it was still in the thro- throes of winter. Mm-hmm. And in my boots, I ran home from there. And on the corner of the street, I was waited at a red light. And I just ran full tilt all the way home. And I... Just before I got home one block from my house, I put my hands on my knees to gasp and catch my breath. And I looked up and in the window, there's a sign that said, Yoga Bliss. When I was 18, Olivier, yoga was not popular. Yoga was for weird people. Yoga was for like grungy sort of like, what are you? That's strange stuff for a guy, a young man. Peace loving, tree hugging hippies. Oh, dude, it was not popular. It is not what you see now, like with Lululemon and stuff. It is not the same style. So I don't even know why. I went up and I knocked on the door and the door was opened by an old man, a doctor from the Punjab, whose name is Dr. Madan Bali. He invited me in and he proceeded to save my life. He's, said, we, I, I'll help you. I will do whatever you require to get you better. And he taught me how to calm my mind and do yoga and postures. And, and nothing was radical about this man. And in fact, he said, you know, at the end, just put some money in an envelope, whatever you could afford, and just put it in an envelope and leave it on the bureau as you leave each time I see you. So I studied with him privately for about two years. Oh, wow. And and I paid him whatever I paid my psychologist at the time. I quit my psychologist and I started mm-hmm. to work with him. And um, I believe that that's the thing that held me together when things would fall apart. Because that period of my life brought so much meaning that I couldn't forget it all. It stayed with me. This sort of belief in a cosmic energy, this this thing that's there that holds everything together there's a cosmic 
plan. There's something that we don't quite understand that is there. And that just, I guess, was always just a tiny spark that was always with me. And it's always with me to this day. In fact, that spark is a fire today. But when I was that Sean, back in the days of early marriage and the frustrations and overweight, maybe that's the spark. That's the thing that, and maybe this, Olivier, Mm -hmm. that the people can learn. So the one, you got to find the thing that keeps just a little flame alive, a little spark, something like a meaning. For me, it was with Mr. Bali and then the experience of meditation and learning to go inwards and see a greater self. There's something greater out there. That's one possibility. The other was that, um, that to be open to the counseling, you know, like I I was open to go see a psychiatrist back Mm -hmm. when I was a kid at 18. I, I went myself, Olivier, Nobody told me to see a psychiatrist. My parents had no clue what was wrong with me. This was so foreign in my family, but I went to see a psychologist and a psychiatrist. I paid out of pocket as an 18-year-old working, you know, just uh, odd jobs. I paid for my own therapy. And then I paid for Mr. Bally. Then when Annabelle and I, my wife, were having so many problems, I was up to going for therapy. Perhaps that's the saving grace. Olivia, perhaps the I've always just been able to say, I'm messed up. I need help. Like, maybe that's all it is. Maybe there is no sort of deeper, more, more complex answer. Maybe it is, dude, you better be able to say, I need help. If you can't say, I need help and go get it, you're going to wash, man. You're going to get flushed. I feel there's so much of the ego getting in the way. Um, because, And I know you enough to this point to know that you don't use those words lightly. You walked into um, that yoga uh, yoga studio and you met Mr. Bali and you used the words, save my life. Because yeah. at 18, you realize that if you can throw away your meds, that you can run to your house 15 kilometers in March and actually see the sign. It doesn't have to make sense now. And we're talking about the process. It's not a one second thing is what, what, what I'm hearing from you. It's a process and you have to trust it, even though it doesn't make sense. It's foggy, but you know, it's better than where you are right now. And you have mm-hmm. to be willing to take that extra step towards saving your life. And that's so courageous and that's so powerful. Um, as a father myself, and of course your kids are older, um, what the, and because there's so much uh, literature going on right now saying that this generation with all this exposure and all its uh, comparisons and all the looking over your shoulder and see, okay, what's the next viral thing? There's a lot of anxiety going on. There's a lot of doubt going on. There's a lot of um, confusion in regards to I, the identity of self in terms of affirming who we are. What do, you, what do your conversations look like with your kids? Yeah. You know, our conversations have come a very long way, but one of the best parts is we were always able to have the right conversation at each phase. We never missed a a phase together. I often feel that as a parent, if you miss a phase, like if you miss the conversation with a 13 or 14 year old girl talking about condoms, you know, like, Dude, I said stuff that that was very uncomfortable for my girls, like very uncomfortable for them. And I didn't care. I said, nobody's going to tell you this in school. So I'm going to tell you right now. Mm -hmm. Like, and I told, I, I was very graphic about sex 
condom usage, all of these things um, at 14, 15 years old. And you know what? I had a relationship with them that they were actually able to listen. And they'd even ask me questions and they'd leave the room. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I got away with that conversation with them, man. I can't believe they gave me permission to have that conversation with them. So I, I, even though I had problems, uh, like marital problems in the earlier days, it seems that Annabelle and I were always able to pull things together enough that we were able to be very present for our daughters and, and you know, like help them through the phases that they've gone through. Annabelle has always been, you know, she's a Latin American, so yeah, those girls weren't pulling any wool over her eyes, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they operate from this position of distrust. <laughs> Annabelle is always like <laughs> not trusting a damn thing. Like she's there, you, Sean, you be the Canadian and you trust them. I'm not trusting anything. I'm not trusting them. No. So we had this great balance in our relationship of like and a little of Annabelle, a little of Sean, and we would sort of help the girls through their phases. So the conversations just kept evolving and going to the next phase. And now the conversations are really about you know, helping them to navigate all the, like you said, all the stress, all the comparisons that go on in life, you know, all the things that, that you, that the pitfalls for young people worrying, oh God, I haven't specialized yet. Oh, I, I'm in college and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I'm really good. So is my wife. It's saying like, will you relax, man? You know, like, it's going to come. Just try different things. Nobody's expecting you to know exactly what you want to do right now. And I find that having that conversation where you can just help to ease their anxiety rather than pour gasoline on their anxieties helps them to just calm down. Because Olivier, I will tell you, I see it. The stress is, is palpable, man. You do? And it's very, oh yeah, it's very sad. And young people, in fact, in my in what I do, many young people, uh, young men, young women, gravitate towards me, and they they seek advice from me quite often. I mentor a lot of young people, and quite often these are the messages that they respond so well to. They just need to be reminded that you know life's like long, life's a, life's a marathon. Like you're going to build experience and you're going to grow and things are going to get good. It doesn't have to be great right now. You don't have to know it all and you certainly don't have to be positive all the time. You know what? Just don't be so negative that you stop doing the fundamentals. What you need to do is be positive enough that you get up in the morning, make your bed, find some gym time or find the time to exercise, you know, eat well. I don't expect them to eat like champs, but eat as well as you can, you know, practice like good relationships, have good conversations. Don't take your anger out on society. Like don't speed and tailgate people. You know, if somebody lets you in in a car, wave to them and thank them, you know, like be a good citizen. You keep those fundamentals alive and you're going to be fine. But if you get so negative and so down that you stop doing the fundamentals, you can go into a very dark place. And that's what the basics. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm con, that's where my conversation is with my girls right now. It's like all about basics. It's like you have to be a good citizen, you know, like study, stay in school, you know, just learn, read, 
these are uh, go to the gym and now they're they love the gym and they exercise and when they're stressed they say i'm going to go to the gym man i got to go to the gym not like a sickness because now olivia i gotta also be careful i don't we don't want to turn people into maniacs gym maniacs either and create another kind of dysfunction right because it's it's very easy to get body image problems because you're stressed, you say, okay, I'm going to mitigate my stress by exercising. And if you're always stressed, you feel the need to always exercise. And now you're over-exercising. And now you start getting obsessed about your body image. And so that's also a thing. So dude, it's got to, it's, it's constant. I tell people all the time, they say, oh, I spend quality time with my kids. I'm like, are you crazy? You need quantity time. Because life happens in quantity, not in quality. When you're on a cruise ship and everybody's having fun, like you get in a few little family spats now and then on vacation, but the, your friend's not there offering you a joint, man. Your friend's not there. Like, you know, your friends aren't there offering you come out. Hey, let's go drinking and stuff. Like life is not happening in quality time. Life is happening in quantity time. So you need to be around to think, okay, you know, am I having the right conversations at this moment with this person? And am I also covering all the externalities that can come out of that conversation? My wife, it's so funny you said that. My wife said that this morning and as weird, as weird as it sounds, as kooky as it sounds, my kids are six and three. And on the weekends, they come into our bed like, you know, like kids do when they jump on us and everything. And sometimes, you know, you had a long week, you want to sleep in on a Saturday, even though I want to start the TV, but they're there, just want to be there. And I'm like, you know, just like being all groggy and stuff. Like, would you please get out? And my wife turns to me and like, babe, this is the time you can't get back. This is the time you need to take in. We need to be present. We need to be accepting of the time that we have because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And mm-hmm. what I'm hearing from you is that the quantity of the time you have to put in the time, you know, there will be time for Netflix. There'll be time for reading. We have to pick and choose. And there's a lot of that going on as well. People are not mindful of the fact that there are 24 hours in a day. You get to choose what you do with them. I'm not going to tell you what yeah. to do, but you get to do what you do with them. And I'm hearing from you. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of time invested into this relationship you share with your family. Dude, I, it, it, yes, absolutely. And the time is, is, you know why? Because my wife and I are not, we don't hover over our kids. We never did. And if you don't hover, you better inform them. You better give them the, the tools that they need to go out into the world and make the right amount of mistakes. But you can't protect them all the time and you have to let them fail. You have to let stuff happen. And you know what? Like, that's just life. But you got to know that you can't just release them to the world and not hover and not also have given them time and, and like your energy and have the right the uncomfortable conversations and you've got to have do all that so that you can now let them out into the world. And here it is guys. And and I'm Olivia. I'm very, very comfortable with not knowing what's going on. Like I know when they were younger at times, I knew there was stuff I didn't know and I didn't need to know Mm -hmm. because I knew and deep down I felt that the conversations were had as best as I could at the time that I'd hope that whatever they were doing, they were doing it just smart enough to not have a catastrophe, but definitely stuff was hitting the fan for sure. But just, just mindful enough that it wouldn't turn into a catastrophe. 
And, and I was very comfortable with that. You've done better from the Sean at 18 to the Sean right now at pushing 50 towards 60. But like you said, it's all about accepting who we are for the good and the bad. And I realize that for some people, the path towards acceptance is a very hard one, John. Some people yeah. are not willing to have the honest to God, truthful conversations with themselves. And how can we help them in that sense? Sometimes I may not be the best guy to ask, plain and simply, because now at 52, I really think that I've only become the best self I could be and a self that I think is, is like really where I've worked my life to be at is kind of now and it only happened in about the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a long, tough ride, dude. <laughs> but it's necessary, isn't it? Because we always try to have all the answers right away. And if there's one thing, okay, if we can just take this podcast, for example, Sean, yeah. you need to trust the fact that, you know what, you're not at the same level as, you know, level 96. You're at level 17 and you need to accept yeah, and be, yeah. okay, make the best of level 17 right now because somebody's at level two. We use the gym as an example as well. Somebody can't do one push-up. Somebody can do 600 on just one finger. You know this. And mm -hmm. you need, and it didn't happen just like that. You know, it yeah, took yeah. a lot of time. It took a lot of growth. It took a lot of patience. You know this as an entrepreneur, as a personal trainer. Like you said, no clients. So now you have a steady client base, people who trust you. You have the expertise. You have the experience. You have, you know, all the nuts and, and you know, all the pains and bruises that came with it. But you have yeah. also the lessons that go with it. And I'd like you to talk about that, you know, trusting the process. One, let's try and figure out who we're talking to. Probably everybody, you know, <laughs> except people who feel that maybe they're in a place where they don't need advice anymore. And that's, that's already a person who might not need advice or maybe they're the people who need the most advice. But if you don't think that you need any help and if you don't think that you, are, you need to change something, well, then that's the person who should listen most right now because mm -hmm. like you can't make somebody know they need to be helped it to needs it. to be a, a yeah it needs to be a kind of discontent internally that they're just sort of like red and it's small it's like a spark and you better just say it right that helps them to say yeah i want to join this I want to be this. I want to become a part of that, that sort of life. I want to get out of this rut and just do, do more like you. I want to be I a little bit more like you. I am this level of fed up that I'm willing yeah. to actually yeah. make that step forward. Yeah. So like, okay, so what does that person do? Like you're, you are, you're so at the, the fundamental stage that to talk about anything other than the fundamentals, you'd lose them. They gotta first. First, it's a it's it's a marathon, right? Life is a. It's not all gonna happen today, mm -hmm. but the decision can happen today. The decision to start provoking a, a different future can mm -hmm. start today. And the problem is, here's the problem, and that's why I created or podcasting very much like the themes of your podcast that I've heard what as I listen to them is that as soon as you ask somebody to change, you're inviting them to new problems. So as soon as they start to change, they're going to encounter problems that they haven't necessarily dealt with before, or they're actually going to start to realize that unless I deal with this problem, I'm not moving past it. So forget that, man. I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal with that problem, or I don't want to, oh, Jesus, what do you mean? If I, if I choose to do this now, I got to do that. No, no, I don't want more problems. I don't you mean want I have to, to wake up earlier? 
Right, right. Or, you know, I, I got to stop calling in sick or I got to actually go out and get a job. And like, well, that only pays minimum wage. And I'm not saying this to be cynical or sarcastic. I mean it like it's a serious problem that the person is going to now encounter a bunch of new problems. So the first thing is when you decide to change, you need to create a solid foundation around you that can absorb problems a little bit better than what you've done up until now. So that might mean having some conversations with people who you trust, who you need them to embark with you. They need to at least be there to help you when stuff, if you got to go move back home and live on the couch in the basement and shut the hell up and be a, a, a good like roommate to your parents, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. But that's the change, right? If you got to move back home and, lo- and sleep on the couch at night, you better be the first one up because your parents don't want to wake up and find you on the couch. You know, like you're going to get up early, fold all your blankets up, make it look like you were never even there, get the hell out of the house and go get your, go get work done. Like, see, that's already a new layer of problems for somebody who's trying to change their life. So, but that's what you got to do. That's the basics. You got to get responsible again. You got, or you got to get responsible, period. You got to become accountable to yourself, self efficacy. You need to become somebody who believes in taking care of themselves. It's like Jordan Peterson said, he said, you need to treat yourself today like you're going to be somebody, like you're somebody important. And that you're responsible to your future self. Mm-hmm. You've got to imagine that there's a, a me in a year from now. And the choices I make are going to determine who I am in a year. So that's, I'd say, Olivia, I can't stress it enough. The first most important thing to change is realizing it's inviting a stack of new problems. And the new problems aren't really indicative that it's a bad idea to change. It's just you're trying to now finally engage in life. So once you start engaging in life, you're going to have to start dealing with obstacles. Because life doesn't roll out a red carpet for you. Life asks you to become different things depending on what you're trying to do. And that's the most important. So you got to make yourself strong. That's why exercise helps because it gets your hormones balanced. It makes you feel fit. It makes you feel like you have mental, physical energy for the extra work you got to put in. Maybe you can't afford to eat well right away. So, But at least if you're exercising, you're taking care of a big chunk of your health. And then if you can really just try and deal, bring in those relationships, you got, dude, you got to have one person. I don't think you can change if you don't have anybody. You got to find a mentor or somebody who you love who can bring a, a, a caring side into your life that can help you to just feel like you got one person who cares. That starts with the accountability, not just the self-discipline, but the accountability. When you know somebody's looking it's it's a different type of action that you're going to take. It's a different type of mindset you're going to bring to the table, in my experience. Because when no one's looking, we can cheap out. We can actually say, like, yeah, I said I was going to go to the gym tonight, but yeah, I mean, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go. That's where yeah. the excuses start. You, you're, you're used to this. You've heard it all. You've probably yeah. heard it all. Yeah. Well, life happens. Life happens when no one's looking. 
you know, the greatest bulk of your life. And, you know, I remember somebody asking me a question of like, um, is what you do when nobody's around at, um, important? You know, I'm like, well, of course it is because most of the time nobody's around to, to, to see what you're doing. Most of the behavior that we do is based on our own personal morality and ethics and what we think is important. So if what you do when nobody's around is worthless, you're gonna, you're going to be worthless. You need to act like, you know, actually the most important person is around and that's you. You're there to see what you're doing. You know if you're cheating. You know if you're like if you're just throwing your hands up in the air to as a good citizen and you're littering when nobody's around. You know, like that's that's you. That's who you are. You are accountable to you. And one of my favorite quotes is actually goes as is, and I'll be happy to share with you. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. I I agree, man. Sean, it's always fun to actually check into your Instagram stories, by the way. Those, you know, one thing that I would really love to actually take with you whenever time permits is one of those walks on the mountain. Those, those, when you're sharing those, it seems like you're in your own place, in your own bubble, in your own little world. You're taking time for yourself. And self-care is something that most people look as, you know, either selfish. No, self-care is not selfish. You need to be the best person of yourself to actually be able to actually go hard and help out other people. You can't give what you don't have. What do those walks mean to you? Yeah, those walks cover a, a broad spectrum of needs for myself. You know, I love nature. I used to volunteer with the World Wildlife Fund back in the day and, you know, spend a lot of time in the the North Shores of Quebec, you know, like measuring bird, you know, puffing eggs. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love the outdoors, man. And we have, we are so blessed with this mountain in the middle of the city. And I just love this to be, I love the spontaneous. The, the fact that running is such a spontaneous activity, just put your shoes on and go. And I love to run in the, on the trails of the mountains. So that's what you see me doing up there. I'm trail running and I just love to take pictures while I'm up there. And uh, yeah, I'm going to do a lot of running in the winter. That's my new sport this year, winter running. So I'm looking forward to that. But those, those runs mean a, a, a lot to me, Olivier. That's how I get my mind centered. And that's how I feel that I'm communing with nature. You know, I feel that we're our we're our best when we're when we're around when we're in nature breathing fresh air and seeing all the life around us and the trees and you know trees are things we don't think about a lot you know but when you're running among the trees and you say wow these things have been here before people have been here you know like before we evolved man there were trees and they provided the oxygen that we breathe. And I like to think about stuff like that. I truly do while I run. I think about I'll see squirrels and I'll see them bat their tails. And I know the tail is to get my eyes distracted to look at the tail, much less dangerous for the squirrel if I attack its tail than its head, right? So like you start to see how evolution has made all these things the way they are. And birds, you know, the male birds will fly to a, a, a tree and start chirping wildly. And you know, he's trying to distract me from going towards the nest and you're like it's just so wild olivier it's just it just reminds you of all this stuff that goes on and we forget about it living in an urban setting that's a, such a precious thing because this it's just very few simple couple of seconds like you know sometimes you'll just share this the sunrise or you'll just share just a uh, two bit tidbits of like whatever's going on through your head and i'm just like 
he seems so it's it's his own world of course it's his instagram but at the same time it's just like wow that is what taking care of yourself for me feels like you know everybody has their own little thing but i want to thank you for sharing you know that you know that humanity and the simplicity of how much it doesn't take much to actually you know give yourself a little bit of oomph a little bit of you know dare i say happiness in yeah. a very 24 hour period it's as simple as that because i think that people often enough and way too much try to overcomplicate things i think that's where mm-hmm. we are and that frightens me a bit yeah yeah that's you're you're right and listen being happy like i don't i don't think that i don't pursue happiness because i know happiness is just an emotion that's not sustainable because when you're happy you feel like everything's fine you don't pursue new things when you're happy you know like you come you you pursue things when you feel like something's missing so i like the fact that i'm happy because i worked hard to get something and then as that fades away, I move into my mood of, okay, I, I was happy. Now I want to work towards my next layer of happiness. I'm going to go for my run. And I know that just gets my mind cranking and feeling great. And then I get to the summit of the mountain. I take a selfie up there. I'm like, hey, guys, look, man, I'm here. I made it to the summit. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, like, so you work for happiness. It doesn't just fall on your lap. And it's certainly not the thing you pursue. What you pursue is the things that make you happy. And in the pursuit of the things that make you happy, you're feeling good. You're feeling great. Like, you're, you're not happy, click your heels happy. You're just feeling really in sync with the things that you're working to bring you closer, constantly closer in proximity to happiness. It shouldn't be too hard to make you happy. You should always be kind of hovering close to it. So, and then when you're not happy, you don't feel unhappy. You're just sort of like just falling a little bit of a level below happy. And that's where you're buzzing about your life. That's where you're making life happen. So those pictures you see, I mean it with my app, with all my heart. dude. I, I, to take pictures of sunrises and I, I'm so appreciative to be here and share the things and be at a place in my life now where I can start giving more back because up until now, I've played some of my cards wrong in life. I've made some mistakes that have had very strong repercussions on my life and re-provoked that, the evil of that depression that I've always suffered from. And I've made decisions and choices that provoked it and brought it back very strong in my life. So now I find that I'm finally clever enough and finally starting to understand myself and what I want from my life well enough that it's really not present anymore. The last six months, I'm not kidding when I said the last six months of my life, I feel like my life really began. And I don't want anybody to think that's depressing. It's just, it's been a particular kind of life with certain struggles that People have had it far worse. People have had it far better. But it's my life. I need to think about my life. And only recently does my life feel like it makes sense. I want people to know they can make sense of their life sooner than 52 years old. But I, like I said, I've made decisions and choices that had repercussions on my life that didn't allow me to move forward and you know like it provoked like i said anxiety depression and things that were very really can can 
could stall your success and progress. Sometimes stall it so much that you never recover. So you get to a point where you say, okay, now I'm going to start trying something different. I'm going to try now. So you create a podcast and you create something new. And that's what I'm, that's where I'm at. So when you see those pictures, man, that's me feeling blessed and very happy to have moved beyond a very dark phase of life. That is such a powerful example because from what I'm hearing from you, gratitude is not something that's hard for you anymore. And there's a lot of effort people I need to put in right now, and I'm saying it out there. A lot of people are not grateful enough. People complain too much. People don't realize how sometimes you have it far better. You could be a lot worse, but it's not even about comparing ourselves. It's about, listen, it, you need to actually say thank you for this moment, for this time. No matter what you're going through, you need to be more grateful. How do we help them be more grateful? How can we exercise gratitude? I've seen that um, with myself where somebody told me a while back, you know, I, I thought the whole idea of gratitude journaling was corny and stuff, but I, uh, then I started and it's not really what I did was I realized that one of the pieces that were missing for me, and this could help people was gratitude. The idea of writing your ideas down helps you to formulate your speech better. A lot of people don't understand that writing is speaking. If you can write your ideas down well, you'll be able to speak your ideas well. And one of the most important things of your journaling in the morning and writing is you're you're improving your ability to communicate. People need to understand gratitude is all about, one, setting your mind straight that there are things in your life that are good. Okay. And you better tally them up. You better write them down and recognize them because there's, you're going to walk out your door. And within about five minutes, if you drive to work, somebody's going to be tailgating you. Somebody's going to be very rude. You know, we have, we, people can be very, very rude because they're busy and they got to get somewhere. They're willing to be rude to other people. There's other people very courteous, but you know, the rude ones might mentally affect you you got to be very careful so can the pleasant ones but i tell you you better write down the things that you're grateful for because that's gonna help you to at least take stock of what you got i have a buddy of mine we always have this joke when we sit down and say okay what do we got it's always like what do we got because you got to think you got to take stock of what do you've got bad english there but i'm just using it (laughs) what do you got write it down and that'll help to at least pump something into your brain that you're not starting from nothing. Something, dude. Even if you feel like you got nothing, you're living in an apartment with cockroaches and like, but you're alive. <laughs> you're, you're alive, dude. Your eyes are open and you can see the universe. Like you could see the trees. You're here, man. Congratulations, you're here. It might feel like crap and you're not like really happy to be here. And some people feel like they wish they weren't here, but you are. And you can say right now, I'm here. Okay, I'm going to take a go at this. I'm going to be brave now. I'm going to have courage because if you don't take a go at it, you're a coward. Like, just straight up, you're a coward. If you don't want to take a go at it, you're a coward. So don't be a coward, man. Take a go. Like, take a shot at it. Write down, okay, I'm here and I'm not a coward. (laughs) And just keep telling yourself all day. Like, shit's going to happen. You're making sandwiches for your job and, like, you're you're 40 and you're like, ah. You just say, okay, I'm doing this. I'm not a coward. 
I'm going to change it. I'm not a coward. I'm going to take a chance and try it. So the journaling helps you to communicate better with your mm-hmm. own head, right? When you talk, you're listening to yourself. Yes, you are. So you've got to learn to communicate better. So if you think journaling, oh, that's like corny and that's weird. Think of it that you're expressing yourself on paper, learning to communicate better. Because you'll never get anywhere in life if you don't learn to communicate better. If you don't learn to speak with truth. And I don't mean tell people, I tell people what's what. Oh, good for you. You're fired. You know, like I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about truth, man. Like, be truthful with yourself. You don't like what you're doing. You don't like your life. That's fine. At least you realize it. Now you can be brave, not a coward, and start trying to change it. But you won't change anything unless you learn to communicate better with yourself and with with other people. So that's why I say to do it. I say to do it. Pure and simply because you're just going to learn to speak better. You're going to learn to think more logically and articulate your words because your ideas are locked up in your goddamn skull. You're, mm-hmm. if you you get can't get, yeah, and then you open your mouth, your tongue starts to flip around and your lips wiggle and sounds start to happen. But some people speak like that's all that's happening. Sounds are coming out. It's like learn to use that brain and speak with clarity. Read, write things down. Listen to yourself. Use your voice notes on your phone. Listen to yourself speak and say, ooh, you want to hear something, Olivier? Hmm. I used to speak like, I used to speak like that, like a real Canadian. And I'd call my car a car. But I listen. I don't speak like that anymore. And I just released my voice, man, that I'm constantly speaking over. Not because I'm trying to impress anybody. I just didn't like the way I spoke. I didn't like my accent. So I worked to change my accent. You know how much work that was? That was a ton of work. But I can do it. I can do it now. So you can if you can change your accent by listening to yourself and then say, okay, car, car, not car, not car, 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 keep saying, bang, it's done, it's changed. Like, you can change anything. Dude, you can. You just got to want to and be brave and not a coward. Change is a choice. Sean, there's so much we could actually keep touching on. Open invite. There is so much more that you and I can keep going on, but we have to cut it short. But, Sean, I can't, the thank you doesn't even start it, but in a spirit of gratitude, thank you for everything. Thank you for this tremendous energy. Thank you for this mission of service and truth. Thank you for this kindness, this warmth, this fierce love that you put out. And I wanted people to share that because that is definitely what I've gotten, you know, through the conversations we've had over WhatsApp and something I treasure. And I want to thank you for taking this time because time is precious. And for me, it was time well spent. And I want to thank you for being on. I really do. Well, I thank you for having me on, dude. Listening to me go on and on. I can talk <laughs> forever, dude. <laughs> for a guy who doesn't like to talk too much, like I seem to talk a lot. But no, I really no do want to help. I just it's want valued. to explode, let all the ideas out, and hopefully somebody's listening who that can bring some value to. And that, that's so important to oh, me. Oh, the, yeah. the value is there. It's relentless, yeah. and the value is definitely there. As I like to tell Ashley, ask, uh, where can people connect with you on the interwebs? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That with my Instagram, as you see, I'm always on the gram. So, like, mm-hmm. Instagram is the best place to find me. Best That's where place. I'm always putting my out my stories. If you follow me, I will follow you back, and I'll engage in your stuff. I don't. I don't really like. I don't. Just, I'm not trying to build up followers on Instagram. I'm trying to build some friendships and, you know, find like-minded people. I'll look at people's stories. I, I'm there, man. I'm really there because I'm not trying to hit a million followers. I'm just trying to create a lot of good, close relationships or at least relationships at a distance with social media. And you can't have that many if you got 100K followers. So I go. like it to stay small. So I don't follow people back who don't engage. If they don't do stories, they don't look at my stories and make, I don't follow back because I'm really legitimately trying to build, uh, you know, build a network of people who really want to be present. That's how genuine relationships work because you can't, yeah. how can you cater to a hundred thousand people? You can't, but you know, I got no interest. when you, when you interact with someone of the real deformed live person that is interacting with you, when it were through a comment or just a like, or telling you like yeah, reposting and everything, it's, yeah. there's a lot of value. There's a lot of worth in that in terms of human connection. That's what fuels me. And I'm sure that obviously that's what fuels you. And Dude, yes. it's a very genuine, genuine thing. Um, Closing off running tradition on the podcast, uh, quote a kind thought because you definitely dropped so many bombs here, but just rounding it out, a fun thought, a uh, call to action. Anyone can wake up tomorrow taking one, at least one next step, one decisive step towards the next level. What can we leave the listeners with? You know, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming. I I meant what I said before to just be brave and try and, and just tell yourself, be brave and, and make the change. Just decide that you can change. And as hard as that is, because the decision is like I said, with my clients that I've met in the past where they decided to change too, but they gave up. So First, you got to decide and have that, have that one thing that you can accomplish by the end of every day. And I would strongly encourage people to start with smiling because, and I'm not saying that to be funny and to be, again, corny. I'm saying that because your smile is the first initiation to new relationships. If you smile more and say hello to people more, you're going to do that to some people with that you, you see regularly. And that's the initiation of a new relationship and it's new relationships that'll help you to change. It's the only thing that's going to get you out of your spot is meeting new people and nobody wants to say hi to a grouch. So I'm just plain and simply the truth. You will create more relationships by simply making a mental check. Am I smiling? Dude, I walk around the city looking like a buffoon with a big smile on my face. I say hi to anybody who makes eye contact with me. I'm not kidding. That you always seems to unsettle some people. I, like, oh, like, I why is he smiling? <laughs> I say hi every on elevators. I talk to people. On like it's so stupid, but I do it in a way that really doesn't make people uncomfortable. I'm telling you, it's just a gift because I've been doing it for so long. 
So that's their thing, man. First, you got to know I got to change. Second, smile and say hello to people, man, because those that is your first step to new relationships. Plain and simple. I'm telling you, it's not easy to start. Plain and simple. That's where it starts. And that's what we're going to take away with because it all starts with the simple steps. Don't overcomplicate it. You said it yourself through the conversations and the relations and just honoring the basics. Plain and yeah. simple. Let's try to smile a bit more. Guys, you heard it here. Sean is very dedicated towards it. It's definitely worth your time. I'm not doing this for followers, but please check out Sean Chris Lewis on Instagram. Check out the Fort Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Fort, F-O-R-K-E-D, podcast. Can't miss it. Guys, it's definitely worth a listen. Tremendous, tremendous quality and quantity of guests. Um, uh, definitely, definitely genuine gem that I've been, definitely subscribed to on the, my extensive list of favorite podcasts. But it is. I'm not just saying that because, you know, he's such a genuine guy. Sean, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, and your friendship, which I truly value. Guys, this has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Olivier Day, from Kanzak, Quebec, to Brossard, Quebec. Not that far, but as always, always appreciated the time. Guys, stay blessed, stay resilient, stay loved, stay awesome. Have awesome. a terrific, terrific day. Much love. Ciao. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome Podcast. We do love to get your feedback, so please drop us a line. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review. We always do appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome. Stay awesome.